What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, as we continue our conference preview series here, first and foremost, remember you can check out lacrossebucket.com for conference previews of every single conference. Have Almost all of them out, about one or two left to go, but uh, by the end of this week, we'll have every single conference preview out. Hopefully, you have the podcast uh, for each of those out as well. So, lacrossebucket.com, and then on social media, you can connect with us at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Continuing the conference preview series here today uh, with uh, the Big Ten, uh, another one of the best conferences in college lacrosse. Um, You know, ACC, Big Ten have been the two best conferences the past couple of seasons. Um, Obviously, the Big Ten last year had a bit of a different look to it uh, with those teams being, uh, you know, subject to uh, greater scheduling restrictions, having only play a conference-only schedule before, uh, obviously, you know, postseason play, uh, but a conference-only schedule last year. Uh, we really saw, I think, uh, how how competitive this league is, uh, particularly there in the middle, where these teams just beat up on each other. Um, outside of Maryland, uh, you had every team lost a game. Uh, in conference play, uh, Rutgers, Ohio State, Penn State, Hopkins, Michigan—a uh, really, a really competitive, um, competitive season there. Uh, you know, Rutgers, obviously the second best team in that conference, and I think you know when you look at it this year, will probably be similar with Maryland and Rutgers at the top. But I think with normalcy returning, uh, definitely a, a lot of different things could. Uh, could happen here in the Big Ten in 2022. As a quick refresher, uh, we saw Maryland win the conference. Obviously, as I just mentioned, they also went on. Uh, they went 15-1, and the only loss being in the national title game to uh, Virginia. Uh, Rutgers went 9-4, and 8-2 in conference play. Um, the only two teams they lost to were Maryland, um, and then I believe they lost to in the postseason last year in the um, Big Ten semifinals. They lost to um, uh, who was that? It's escaping me at this moment. Uh, let's pull this up real quick. Uh, Rutgers, I think it was Penn State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, to Penn State. Oh, no, Johns Hopkins. Okay, that's what it was. Rutgers only losing to Maryland, and then Johns Hopkins there, 12-10. Uh, to 10. Uh, They fell in the quarterfinals uh, to North Carolina uh, there in the NCAA tournament. Uh, no other team makes the NCAA tournament out of the Big Ten last year. Ohio State uh, and Penn State each had four and seven records. Uh, Johns Hopkins, and they finished third and fourth. Johns Hopkins, four and nine. And Michigan, 
three and nine, uh, they're at fifth and sixth, uh, ending the year in the Big Ten. So let's move uh, our attention on here towards the 2022 season and um, go team by team as as has been the case with uh, every other conference preview that I've done thus far as well. So um, we're going alphabetically, team by team here, uh, obviously starting things off with the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. Uh, they, th- this is a team that I think has the most potential for growth from year to year um, of any team in the Big Ten because you had no fall ball. You had no fans in the stands. You had a Big Ten only schedule, and you had a new head coach on top of all that. New coaching staff. This was a very difficult season for Johns Hopkins last season. You saw them really struggle early on. Um, no, really, that, that, that Penn State win, 15-7, uh, to 7, um, you know, you get that one in the conference quarterfinals, and I think you, you you looked at that and you saw, okay, this is a team that can play. You beat Rutgers in the semifinals, and you really see, okay, this improvement they've made under Millman the last couple weeks of the regular season, this is real. And then they fall to Maryland, as expected, in the title game, 12-10. Now, that was their second close loss to uh, their arch-rival. Close loss within a span of two weeks. The, 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 The final game of the season, Hopkins, Maryland, was a fairly close one. And so, you really saw the growth of this team, and really, I'd probably say, you know, March, March was kind of their fall ball, and then you saw mid-late April, things started to be put together, and we saw some success from this team. So building off that, even with the losses of Cole Williams, um, and then obviously, uh, Two of the top polls, and Connor Delaney at the LSM spot, and Jared uh, Lyonson at the uh, defensive spot. Even with some of those losses, Cole Williams being obviously the biggest one there, this is still a really good team, a talented team. Uh, we saw a guy like Connor Simone really come into his own last season um, at times. Uh, 45 points, 25 goals, 20 assists there. Um... And he's back for his fifth and final season of college lacrosse. You look at a guy like Joey Epstein, uh, who has really been on the radar since his high school career, um, has had some injuries. Obviously, there in 2020, you know, hasn't had the opportunity. Obviously, last year with a bit of of a, of a unique situation of a season, hasn't really had the opportunities. Um, maybe that some other guys have to really come into his own and really take over um, as, as many expect him to do. You know, he did have a really exciting freshman campaign 
Um, and, you know, last year, 22 goals, 13 assists. Um, I'm expecting, you know, big things from both of these guys uh, to lead to lead this offense, uh, which was, you know, top, th- which was the top three unit in, uh, in the conference in points per game, uh, 17.31 points per game last season. This is an offense that can produce. Uh, and with those two guys leading the way, um, as well as some of these other returners and some of these younger guys coming in, um, you look at a guy like Garrett Dengen, Jacob uh, Angelis, I believe is how you pronounce that, um, and, and Jack Keough, you know, all returning as well as kind of those top reserves coming back. Uh, this is a this is an offense that has a lot of potential. And look, you've got one of the greatest lacrosse minds uh, in John Grant Jr. Uh, running the show there. We know what he did uh, with that Air Force offense uh, in the past couple of seasons. Comes into Hopkins last year. And really, th- this offense early on, um, really even in that first couple games where they did struggle, you could see you could see what this unit was trying to do. You could see it work at times. Um, so this particular unit for Hopkins is one I'm excited about, and especially with those two guys, DeSimone and Epstein. Um, and then also when you look at a guy like Matt Nowiski, um coming back at the dot after going 56%, should get them some of those extra possessions. On the back end, um, this is a, you know, Jamison Kostner, you know, had top defenses at UMBC, um, you know, obviously doesn't get a fall ball to work with, with this team, um, but comes in as the DC at, at Hopkins at his alma mater. And, um, look, this, this is a unit that they do return, um, some top talent there, uh, with a guy like Josh Kosen in cage. Uh, and Owen McManus and Jack Lynn, both uh, at the polls, uh, at the close defense spot. You also get in a guy like Emmett Jimmings, who has been absolutely um, just a stud at Providence, one of the best polls in the Big East. You get him in there as well. I think this is a defense that has a lot of potential also. Um, and then they get in uh, Gibbs, Vos, Gibb, Vosfeld, um, out of Amherst uh, Division Three uh, product comes in as a transfer um, there, so you know has a solid you know one-two punch, if you will, there at the goalie position, you know if needed. Um, and and look, there's a lot of guys defensively uh, that I think we haven't necessarily seen a lot from that we could again this year, but really that top that top core, Owen McManus, Jack Lynn, and then an Emmett Jennings coming in to, to, to help anchor that unit, to help bolster that unit, um, really, really gives this Hopkins team a lot of hope on the back end. Um, it, and I do think this is a team as a whole um, that, that, that I, I'm in particular going to watch very closely. I think a lot of people have a lot of high expectations for this Johns Hopkins team, given that they have a full, they got to have fall ball. They have a season, uh, really two Big Ten seasons under their belt when you think about it, of playing teams twice last year and all of that. Um, 
yeah, this is a team that is going to be uh, expected to be pretty good in 2022. Uh, now, staying in the Ocean State here and uh, moving on to the Maryland Terrapins. And, and I mean, look, 15 and 1, 10 and 0, Big Ten champs, NCAA runner up. I don't expect anything but success from this team. Um, and look, I think I say this every year. I always come in the season, I say, look, don't bet against John Tillman. Um, th- this guy has built a machine at Maryland, and they continue t- to run. Th- they're continuing to have success. Um, it's been a little over a decade now since he's been there, and it- it's hard-pressed to find a team that's had, or a program that's had more success than Maryland. Sure, you'd like to have more national titles, but... Not many teams can say they've been to Championship Weekend this many times as Maryland can. Um, last season, you know, they came pretty freaking close to being the first team since 2006 Virginia to go undefeated. Um, now you can say all they have to do is play Big Ten teams, and they were clearly head and shoulders above every team in the Big Ten. Um, and, and look, I'm not going to put that past them. Um, no, they, they beat who they played. Um, they beat Virginia. They, they beat Vermont. Uh, and who's the uh, beat Notre Dame uh, there in the NCAA tournament? So those are you know, three, four good teams there as well. This is a team. They beat who they beat. Uh, they, they took care of business. Jared Bernhardt leading the way. Um, you know, he's gone now. But you look at a guy like Logan, Logan Wisnowskis, uh, who's been given that number one jersey. You also have Daniel Maltz coming back, Kyle Long, Bubba Fairman, Anthony DeMeo, and then you also look um, at some of these younger guys, like an Eric Malver, uh, who stepped up last season as a freshman. They should get some clock. Uh, you look at these transfer additions, Owen Murphy, uh, who had a lot of success, uh, success as a freshman at Johns Hopkins in 2020 uh, before entering the transfer portal. Um, you have a guy like Keegan Kahn, who was an absolute stud there at Villanova uh, for four years. Jonathan Donville, a grad transfer uh, midfielder out of Cornell. Um, and then Gavin Ty at the faceoff dot as well. I mean, this is a, this is a transfer group uh, that's one of the best in the country. And pair specifically those offensive gets up with the get with, with the guys they bring back. I mean, this is going to be a very very tough offense to stop. And then you know, looking past that but on, on defense, you know, mention some of the gets they some of the guys they bring back on there. Matt Rahill, Brett Maycall, Logan McNaney, and Cage. I mean, you lose Nick Grill um, there, which is a really big loss for them, but I'm not worried at all. And, and you do um, you do add in Owen uh, Pabliski from Villanova as well uh, there uh, as a transfer, as, as a grad transfer. So, I mean, adding him in there with Ray Hill and May call that close, I mean... And then you look at John Geppert coming back as your top LSM. Joshua Kaufman at the short stick defensive midfield spot. I mean, this is a team that 
well, yeah, suddenly going to have to. We're going to have to see how these transfers mix and mesh with the current roster. It, it, it's really difficult to to sit here and just look at this team on paper and find a weakness. Um, if there is a weakness, if there is a question mark, it is at the faceoff dot. By the way, where I mean, look, they lose. <clears throat> excuse me. They lose Justin Shock. You get the faceoff dot. Um, you know, Luke Wireman is their top returner. He went. 87 for 192 last year. That's 45% as the primary backup. Um, you know, they get in Gavin Ty, uh, face-off transfer from Virginia. Uh, so we'll see what he can do. Freshman Shane, uh, Shay Keetler um, is also in that face-off room. So, you know, I, I think if they can get that question answered pretty quickly, um, and look, even if they don't, I think this is a defense that's good enough. You obviously want those extra possessions. You want to keep the ball in your possession um, as much as you can. You want to, you know, not have your defense wear down uh, one quarter into a game because the other team is dominating the dot. But if they don't look, Maryland wasn't particularly. you know, outstanding at the face-off dot last year by any stretch. Now, Justin Shockey was very, very good, over 50% easily. Um, so, like, not that it was, a, it was an issue, but there were times when you saw some struggles there and, look, didn't, didn't seem to wear them down at all. Um, now, it is going to be interesting, Maryland against a schedule um, this year that is not a Big Ten-only schedule. I think there's going to be some questions of like, okay, you're playing some of these better teams. I know they play Virginia. Uh, That's kind of the hallmark non-conference game for them. Um, Okay, show it in the the regular season. And, you know, look, I'm not expecting this team to go undefeated, but this is a team I'm expecting to be back on championship weekend again here in 2022. They, they, They are that talented. They are stacked. Moving on uh, to the Michigan Wolverines here. Um, Look, Kevin Mack is the only guy this team loses. Um, Three and nine, Big Ten semifinalists. They they, they beat Penn State there in the the quarterfinals. Um, You know, this team really... You know, it, it is one that I think if they put all these pieces together, um, can, can possibly surprise some people in the Big Ten. Uh, Joshua Water uh, at attack. Michael Bain uh, also coming back there. Jake Bonomi uh, uh, as well coming back. Nick Rowlett, uh one of the better faceoff men in the Big Ten. Um, Ryan Schreiber as your top pole coming back. And Josh Kirikoff in cage. Um, who expecting him to continue to grow after uh, you know what he showed last year? Um, really, the highlight of this team is this offense: Zawada, Bohm, and Bonomi. Um, look, and, and you do have uh, Bryce Clay who is out, um, but Ryan Cohen, a, a freshman there, is expected to step in. Uh, Graham Hertzberg and Aiden Mulholland 
another you know, pair of freshmen that should step in and, and see a lot of clock as well. Um, this is an offense that was pretty dang good when they got it going last year. Um, they were more of a six-on-six type unit. We didn't see as much transition from them, especially early on as some other Big Ten teams. I think that's an area where they can certainly improve, and, and that starts on the defense. Um, but like this is, a, this is a team, offensively speaking, that has been very good. They have very good players. Um, and then you look at Nick Rowlett at the faceoff dot, uh, 53% a year ago, first team all Big Ten. Um, you know, this is a guy who does it all at the dot, gets those dirty ground balls as well. Uh, very impactful player for this defense, uh, for this, well, really for both sides of the ball, um, if you think about it. And, uh, you know, him coming back, um, or returning for this team is huge, as it is with those other uh, offensive guys. I mentioned, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see a lot of these freshmen, how they fit in. We know Michigan has been recruiting very, very well as of recent, um, expecting to continue that trend of these freshmen coming in and making some big plays, um, especially on offense. Now, on the back end, I you know I, I think is where the most amount of progress needs to be seen. Um, Andrew Darby, Ryan Schreiber, Jack Whitney, who was a freshman last year, Josh Kirikoff, all back, all back. This is a defense they allowed 15.8 goals per game through their first six games of the season. They then allowed 13.6 through their final six games. So you did see a little bit of improvement there. And I mentioned the transition aspect of going from offense to defense. You saw a bit more of that um, later on in the season. Um, so I do think this defense can continue to improve. I think Kirikov's, uh continued improvement is going to be a key piece of that because these poles on their own are very talented. Um, we just have to see this unit work together. This is a lot of what I said um, in regards to Rutgers last season is – you had had some really good pieces, but the pieces weren't working in unison 100% of time for a full 60 minutes. Maybe they would do so for a period here, a period there, maybe a half, um, but you got to put it together for, for, for a full 60. And uh, that's what I'm looking for from this Michigan defense. Um and when you look at the short stick defensive midfield spot, well, I think they really need to improve on. Um, you know, it's expected you're going to see some freshmen, Lucas Delgado, Justin Ennis there um, as well. So this is a Michigan team that, look, we saw them get a lot of first a year ago. Um, you beat a number 17 Penn State team. Um, you beat Rutgers uh, there. And then you beat Penn State, um, and then you lose to Rutgers by one goal. There's a lot of progress made last year, especially late in the season for Michigan. We're going to have to see if this continues, and it's going to have to continue on both sides of the ball if they really want to have success here um, in 2022. I believe they can be a lot better than they were a year ago, uh, but you're going to have to show it first.
Moving on, uh, moving south here uh, from Ann Arbor to Columbus, Ohio, where um, Ohio State really, you know, you, you returned a bunch of guys last year. Trey LeClaire, Ryan Terrafenko. Um, you added Eric Wins, Alex Van, Van Bevogen camp. And this is a team that simply, I think the Big Ten schedule played into this as well, simply didn't produce as many expected them to. Um, really a down year for the Buckeyes, 4-7, uh, Big Ten quarterfinalist. Um, and look, they returned Jack Myers. They returned Jackson Reed. Um, they get back Griffin Hughes, and they get back Justin Anasio, uh, the biggest returner there um, at the faceoff dot for the fifth season. You also see a heavy transfer uh, portal addition here. Jason Knox, attackman out of Hobart. Drew Blanchard, faceoff man, again out of Hobart. Tyler Gallagher, a D3 transfer out of Lynchburg on defense. You also get Noah Mendoza, a uh, defenseman out of Lafayette. Had a really strong freshman season uh, with uh, under you no know, Pat Myers last year. Now heads to Columbus playing for uh, Nick Myers. Caton uh, Johnson expected to be the starter there in Cage, uh, goalie out of North Carolina. You know, lost that starting spot last year to Colin Krieg. Uh, had been a three-year starter there um, with the Buckeyes, expecting, excuse me, with the Tall Heels, expecting him to step in as the starter for the Buckeyes. Um, and, and really, I think I think the impact of these transfers is really what's gonna going to, you know, make or break this Penn State's team success. Um, we know offensively, you look at a guy like an, a Jack Myers, like a Jackson Reed, a Griffin Hughes, this is a solid core there. This is a solid core. And then adding in a guy like Jason Knox, who can shoot the lights out of the ball, um, adding him only increases this offense, and then at the faceoff dot, I, I think is probably where Ohio State could be the scaliest in 2022. We already know the damage Justin Anasio can do. Look at a guy like Drew Blanchard, who's been absolutely uh, you know, dominant as well at Hobart. He comes over to Columbus. That one-two punch there, probably the best in the Big Ten, on a national scale, we'll see how it goes, but I think this could be a very, very strong you know, area for Ohio State. If they do want to take a step forward, they can lean very heavily on this face-off success if needed. Um, and then, look, on the back end, we talked about Caden Johnson. Not much else to say about him. Um, you, know, you get Skylar uh, Wuen back, who started the first couple games of the season. Them two, probably one, two in cage uh, here in 2022. Um, and then, look, you get back Jacob Snyder, George Walsh at the close uh, to your top polls coming back. Freshman Bobby Van Buren expecting really, really big things from the Under Armour All-American here as a freshman in 2022. Um, and then I mentioned the two transfer polls, Gallagher, Mendoza. We'll see how they fit in here, 
uh, with Van Buren and the other returners that I mentioned. But this is an Ohio State team that I think really, if they put all these pieces together, um, and specifically, as I mentioned, if these transfers can you know, fit in and mesh with these uh, returners and some of these freshmen that should step up, we could, you know, we could see Ohio State, you know, take a step forward. Now, you know, are they going to be a top three team in the Big Ten? No, I, I wouldn't go as far as that, but I think they could possibly get within that top, you know, within that top four uh, in the Big Ten. And remember, uh, the Big Ten is, is going to have the everybody makes the playoffs again this year. So, no, we can see a team finish sixth in the uh, standings and still make a make, make, make a run. And I do think we could possibly see maybe three Big Ten teams make it into the uh, NCAA tournament uh, here in 2022 with normalcy returning to the schedule. So, you know, th- that's also something to watch with the, with this Big Ten conference. It's not, a, not exactly how you finish the regular season, but what you do in the postseason. And I do think we're going to see, at least non-conference-wise, some really good success from these Big Ten teams, Ohio State uh, included, uh, as usual. Final two teams uh, to go over here. And uh, moving on here to Penn State, this is another team uh, that really, really took a step back last year. Um, Worst season for uh, under Jeff Tambroni, and worst since 2010. Uh, This is, in fact, their first losing season under Jeff Tambroni, uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions. It is, you know, it's a newish look team in many aspects, um, but I think certainly we still have these images of Penn State, you know, 2019, making that championship weekend run. Uh, those guys are all gone. Uh, obviously, Glenn Ament was gone before that, before last season. Mac O'Keefe is now gone. Dylan Folds is now gone. Gerardo Saley is now gone. Nick Cardeal is now gone. Colby Kinesis is now gone. That's a lot of talent on offense, face-off dot, and defense that is gone from that from that team in 2020, uh, I mean 2019, in 2020 as well. Um, top returners for this team is TJ Malone, Dan Rayum on offense, Braden Peck, and Elric Fiak um, in cage. Um, and this is really going to be an interesting team here in 2022 because, you know, exactly what we're going to see from Penn State, I think, is, is still very much up in the air. You know, which Penn State team are we going to get? Obviously, it's a new look. It's a different look. It's a bit younger in many respects. But uh, you still have some of these guys, a TJ Malone, a Jack Kelly, Dan Rayum, who you know, have been there and have been kind of those more, uh, you know, role-player guys. Now, T.J. Malone, obviously, tremendous season last year. Um, 
with the Nittany Lions. Um, and then, you know, Layum and Kelly have been kind of right there, you know, fifth, sixth leading scorers the past couple seasons. We're going to see these guys take even a bigger step forward in 2022. And then I mentioned younger guys, and, and that's going to be on both ends. But when you look at, um, you know, this Nittany Lions offense, you know, you look at a guy like Canyon Birch, who, um, you know, redshirt sophomore attackman, saw, you know, one, one, two, I think three starts last year near the end of the year. Uh, this is a team that really struggled with you know, injuries and COVID issues last year. Um, you know, Canyon Birch, one of those guys that got the opportunity last year, end of the year, and did exactly what we thought. Um, you know, he was going to do at the college level. Um, and I, I don't want to say he had any breakout performances because I think there's still a lot to be desired there. We only saw him a little bit last year. Um, so I'm expecting big things, especially from Birch when you look at this Penn State offense. Now, I think the bigger, you know, the, the bigger questions, you know, I think this offense – we, we, we know who T.J. Malone is. We know these other guys can step up. We know there's a lot of younger guys like a Canyon Boach who haven't had a ton of opportunities that we should expect to step up. Um, and then, look, obviously, Tate Gallagher, midfielder coming in from Richmond. Um, he played short-stick defensive midfield last year for the Spiders. Uh, a first-year SSDM, had been an offensive guy his entire career, flips to defensive midfield and absolutely kills it out of the park. He can go two ways, and, and he's you know the only transfer they get, but a very, very, very impactful one at that as he can go two ways and be successful on both ends of the field as well as he showed last season um, at, at, at Richmond and then throughout his career with the Spiders as well as more of an offensive guy. Um, you know, defense and the face-off dot is really where some of the bigger questions lie. You know, they were second to last in the Big Ten in scoring defense a year ago, allowed 13.37 goals per game. Um, you know, this first year under Mike Murphy um, as the defensive coordinator, been a very, you know, Murphy was, was a head coach at Colgate, you know, then at the Hill School. Uh, believed in, in Pennsylvania, and he was the DC of Whip Snakes in the PLL and did a really good job there. So, uh, not expecting much else but growth from this defense. But I guess the question is how much growth? Uh, we talked about Tate Gallagher and what he can bring uh, to this not only defense but just team overall. You get back a guy. Like Braden Peck for his fifth season, who's been a top pole on the back end. Brett Funk and Sutton Boland uh, also returned the uh, three, you know, poles, uh, the top top three returning poles on the back end. Um, and then you look at a Lyric Fiak and Cage, who um, saw saw five contests last year which included two starts late in the season, um, 50% save percentage, 41 saves, and then you also get in a guy, Jack Flacone, 
Um, they're at the position who, you know, under all all American, uh, there, and then, you know, who, who can help bolster this defense and possibly if Fiox's not the guy, you have someone to go to. And I mentioned there's a lot of young guys all over this roster. The recruiting class that they bring in and this one coming up it, it is pretty strong. Uh, pretty strong. So expect a lot of young guys on this Penn State team all over the field. Um, with Arsali gone <clears throat> at the faceoff dot, Jake Glatz is the top returner, went 30 for 63 last year. See if he's the guy again. See if he does step into that starting role. Um, you know, again, a lot of questions all around with this Penn State team, but um, you know, looking at the guys they bring back, the guys, you know, the, the the notable names, you no, know, th- th- there is some potential there. But f- for a bounce back year, which look, I mean, they're going to be looking to bounce back after really a pitiful season last year, um, and it, really they have the talent at the top to do so. Uh, I think the biggest question there is just with these younger guys, how much is that going to carry you? Um, with Rutgers, similar question, uh, but concerning transfers. Um, look, this is a Rutgers team that was really good last year. 9-4, and 8-2 conference play, NCAA quarterfinalist. Um, you know, you go to the NCAA quarterfinals for the first time since the 1990s. Um, really, really good season for the Scarlet Knights. Obviously, we saw... You know, Adam Charlotte Beatties, Kieran Mullins as, you know, guys, fifth-year guys, Connor Coast, uh, big-time transfer, and Garrett Bullitt really be uh, the top pole on the back end there as a uh, fifth-year guy as well. So a lot of veteran leadership from a lot of guys who had helped build, had helped build this Rutgers program. Um, a lot of those guys are gone. You return David Sprock at the midfield spot, and Shane Knobloch, who had a pretty solid freshman season, also at the midfield. I think this is going to be a, a really good midfield for uh, Penn State, uh, for Rutgers once again. Um, Ethan Rawl at the LSM, Bobby Russo at close defense, and Colin Coast in cage, who comes back for, I believe, a sixth, sixth season, if I'm not mistaken, in cage. So, some really good guys getting back, but um, the highlight of this team is those transfers. Mitch Bartolo uh, from Penn, Ronan Jacoby from Division Three Wesleyan, Brian Cameron, attackman out of North Carolina. Um, those are your offensive guys. Sam Steffen at the faceoff dot out of Mount St. Mary's, Brad Apgar, defense out of Salisbury, Bryant Boswell, defenseman from Bucknell, Toby Bergdorf, goalie from Providence, Bergdorf and Coast. I mean, try to find me a better you know, goalie tandem in the country than that. Uh, two guys that have had absolutely unbelievable seasons. So the, the, the biggest question is how do these guys, how do these transfers, can they do it again? Can they go transfer portal heavy? And this year they went transfer heavy even more so. And can that work once again? Um, 
And I think the biggest question concerning that does lie on the offensive end. I mean, look, this is an offense that has to replace a whole heck of a lot. 165 points. Now, you get in Mitch Bartolo, Ronan Jacoby, Brian Cameron, who come to Rutgers with a, a combined 256 career points uh, following strong careers at Penn, Wesleyan, and North Carolina. And look, you have David Sprock back, Shane Knobloch, uh, also Ross Scott, Ryan Gallagher uh, to join that group. But, and I mentioned that I think this Rutgers midfield is going to be pretty dang good with Sprock and Knobloch uh, and some of those other guys. But, you know, and Botello can play attack in midfield and, and Jacoby's an attackman and Cameron's. Brian Cameron can kind of play a, a tweener position as well. So we'll see how those guys fit in. But really, like, I don't think you're going to be able to replace what you had with Charlotte Beat East Coast and Mullins, you can get pretty close to it. You can get pretty close, but, you know, it's going to be difficult to replace that, you know, step for step um, there. Um, the, 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 the one transfer I do think is going to be the most crucial for not only this offense, but just this entire team to have success is Sam Steffen. Um, look, this is a team that's been a bottom 25, really a bottom 10 unit in, you know, face-off win percentage the past couple seasons, 2020 and 2021. Now, they got it done elsewhere last season, but, you know, are they going to be able to do that again here? No, you don't have... I mentioned those offensive guys back. You don't have those guys. And a big part of this team was they did get that NASCAR offense going from the back with a guy like Ethan Rawl at LSM. Um, Bobby Russo, Jared Jean Felix, uh, Brennan Kamish was a big piece of that. They're at the short stick defensive midfield spot, had been a midfielder um, and, and moves to uh, defense moves to the, to the defensive end. Um, so, I mean, you have those guys back. You're going to be able to get that, you know, they call it a NASCAR offense is what Brian Brecht calls it, that transition offense. You're going to be able to get that back. But with, with these new guys, how much of a success can you have offensively? Now, I mentioned, you know, defense. I think that's the strength of this team clearly. Coast is one of the best goalies in the country. I think this is one of the better goalie rooms in the country. Raw, Russo, Gene Felix, uh, and then mentioned SSDM, but in Kamish, you get you know, Boswell and Apgar in there as well to plug those holes where needed with the loss of Garrett Bullitt and Zach uh, Mayessa. Uh, I think this defense is clearly the strength of this team. Clearly. And I, you know, I don't doubt for one second they're going to be able to get that kind of transition offense going. But different guys on that end, can they be successful there? And can they in 
I think if Stefan does come up and is a 60% guy, 50-60% guy at the face-off dot, I think that the game is changed for this Rutgers team. I think they could, they could possibly, you know, get Maryland. Possibly. I'm not going to say they can catch them because I think there is still a gap in between those two teams, a pretty sizable one. But I think instead of losing by what they lose by five, six, both times last year, maybe you lose by two or three. But you're going to have to. Uh, have to increase at the face-off dot there if that's going to happen. But overall, this is still, I think, the second-best team in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, that's where we move in here to my Big Ten predictions. Um, how I see the Big Ten shaking out, uh, and who I'd pick right now is the conference's offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and also throw in a transfer player of the year. So, final standings prediction, Maryland, Rutgers, Johns Hopkins, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Putting Maryland at number one, Rutgers number two, Hopkins at three, Penn State at four, Michigan at five, Ohio State at six. Those top three, I'm pretty freaking confident. Pretty freaking confident those are the top three. I'm even more confident in those top two. I think Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State is going to be interesting. It could very well be that that we see no Michigan um, outperform where I have them. It could be Penn State outperforms that spot. It could be Ohio State outperforms my expectations. This is a, a a conference with a lot of questions in terms of who fits well after the weird season a year ago. So we're gonna have to see how things how things go and how they end up. But at the end of the day, especially at the bottom, those four, five, and six spots. At the end of the day, I, I think it's pretty clear that Maryland is the best team in this conference by a country mile. Rutgers is that second best team, and agree with me or not, I think Johns Hopkins is probably the third best team in this conference. I think they showed so at the end of last season, and I think building off that, they, they can be even better than they were uh, you know, how they ended a year ago. Offensive player of the year, I'm picking Logan Wisnowskis, attackman for Maryland. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy ends up um, being at the uh, Tualatin uh, Awards ceremony there in uh, D.C. Uh, at the end of the year. Defensive player of the year, I'm picking Colin Coast, goalie out of Rutgers. And then transfer of the year, this one was actually difficult. I'm picking Keegan Kahn. Out of Attackman, uh, Attackman, uh, Maryland from Villanova. Um, so for that one, I've been doing it for every conference. Um, you know, that's obviously not an award, but I just kind of picked who I thought would be the most impactful transfer. Um, obviously, Rutgers has a lot of transfers. Ohio State does. Um, Penn State, I was with Gallagher. You had 
who else? So Ohio State transfers. Uh, Maryland had had that big transfer group. Where Khan is, um, you know, and kind of came down to me between Khan and, and Bartolo as most impactful transfer, and just ultimately going with Keegan Khan uh, for that spot there. Uh, now playing with the Terrapins. All right, folks, that is uh, that is it for today. As always, thank you for tuning in. You can check out lacrossebucket.com. Find us on social media at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, you can find the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on pretty much any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, you know, multiple others as well that I've uh, actually never fucking heard of. Um, but you, we're, we're anywhere, we're everywhere. Also trying to do a better job of putting these on YouTube as well. Uh, you know some people like to do it through that way also, so making an effort to do that as well. So a lot of areas you can find the Lacrosse Bucket podcast on. Um, and you know, by the end of the week, as I said, we'll have all of uh, our conference previews podcast up and out uh, ready to listen to. So again, thank y'all for tuning in. See y'all later in the week.